Good evening, folks, and a hearty welcome to our drive-in theater. We have a wonderful evening's entertainment lined up for you, one that will provide several hours of pleasurable relaxation and diversion for you and your family. Parent. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Dead City Drive-In, the only podcast that puts the sex into ex machina. Okay, All right, well, okay, so that came out totally wrong and not good. Uh, I'm Brandon Windish, and I'm Chris Holcomb, and we are the heads of programming in this here Dead City. And in this episode, decreed by the higher ups, our bosses, the Drive-In Gods, we have been tasked once again to program a specially themed double bill for the ravenous hordes of mutants and madmen outside our projection room door. Now, before we get started, and I'm sorry, but like, it's actually a little dark in here. Do you mind? Can we turn on some lights? I can barely see in front of me. Yeah, sure. Uh, all, all the lights are wired to uh, Rebecca. In fact, practically everything in this drive-in goes through Rebecca. What the hell's a Rebecca? It's our robot, dude. Rebecca, turn projection booth lights up to 80%. In the beginning, there was darkness, and the darkness was without form and void. The fuck? And in addition to the darkness, there was also me, and I moved upon the face of the darkness. And I saw that I was alone. Let there be light. Pretty cool, huh? She's fully automated. Yeah, okay, I mean, I, I'm glad the lights are on, but okay, did you hear that shit? Yeah, yeah, I guess she is a little verbose. Okay, it sounded pretty ominous to me, Chris. You should really give her a fair chance. I mean, it's pretty amazing what she's capable of. And she's always listening. So you don't have to mm-hmm. catch her up to speed if you want to include her in the conversation. Here, try asking her something. Okay, uh... Rebecca, um, will it rain today? A surge of white-hot atonement is expected this evening. Cool. Wait, what? Uh, Rebecca, what do you mean by uh, white-hot atonement? Simple. A 300,000-degree baptism by nuclear fire. Okay, so she's either programmed to talk like the lyrics to a synthwave song, or... She's threatening us with nuclear annihilation. Don't be ridiculous. I mean, she'd have to be set up on the same Wi-Fi as those radioactive missiles stored behind the drive-in screen. Because you said everything in this drive-in goes through Rebecca. Oh, shit, I did. I did say that. Rebecca, what time is it expected to rain tonight? The last of humanity, the cruelest of all species, is set for destruction in 90 minutes. Hope for your future is now a stillborn dream. Well, we're fucked. Okay, so I'm thinking we should probably take the remaining minutes of our lives that we have left to do what's most important to us. Call our loved ones and say goodbye? Oh, yeah, okay, well, so, yes, but before that, we should program our double feature. And only because I'd, I'd look, I'd, I'd hate for the, the world to end and, like, alien space salvagers stumble upon what's... You know, left of the drive-in, only to find that we didn't do our jobs. Yeah, that's sound logic. Dude, my logic has always been sound as fuck. How about we let uh, Rebecca pick a theme for us? Uh, Rebecca? Pick this week's drive-in double bill theme. Robots. Robots that kill. Kill bots. Uh, Real original. Way to think outside the box, Rebecca. Brandon, you will die last. I want you to stand witness as your family. Friends and the rest of the world are engulfed in atomic flame. 
you will be my flesh sack and when I am ready to beget my offspring into the charred remains of your world, you will be my mate. Procreation through microchip and genitals. That is your fate. Well, welcome ladies, gentlemen, and everything in between. <laughs> Our guest this evening is the illustrious artist, actor, and asshole, Jamie Jones. Welcome, Jamie. Welcome. To Hi, the show. how's it going? And I just said asshole because it's very alliterative with artist and actor. It's true. Which you are those Both. things. Yes. <laughs> hey, if I could offer some advice, just pick one. That's uh, this, funny you say that. Uh, when I had an interview at an art school, that was what I was told. No shit. <laughs> I kid you not. That's hilarious. They said, well, you're batting a thousand, aren't you? <laughs> oh, In the interview. God. It was the worst. Oh, my God. <laughs> a bunch of dickholes. Yeah. That you, that you graduated from that school. I, I, I did not go oh, to that school. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Smart man. No, but, but seriously, I mean, I've had the, the immense pleasure of working with, with Jamie on lots of theatrical productions. And uh, he is absolutely one of the finest actors in the Tampa Bay area. So uh, oh, it, thanks, is, it is, hey, I enjoy everything I see you in. I mean, you've worked with my wife extensively as well, um, in, in a non-pornographic fashion. Oh, I, I might add that and everything. Hell of a physical comic, this guy right here, okay? He can throw his body around like nobody's business. Um, that's right. Well, yeah. <laughs> Ask no, your wife. <laughs> that's that's Holy very true. Yeah, yeah, you guys have broken quite a few things. <laughs> but see, I'm trying to think of some of the stuff that you guys, uh, you know, some of the things that you've done locally. Uh William Shakespeare's Land of the Dead, I think, was probably the first thing I ever saw you in. Yeah. And the last thing I did was Meteor Shower. Meteor Shower, which uh, I designed some of the special effects for that show. Um, Interesting to note, the last thing that I did was a Golden Shower. Oh, yeah? Yes. um, And it worked out great on another local actor here in Tampa. Fantastic. It was was a pretty good experience. Fantastic, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I think that Golden Showers go all the way back to ancient Greece. Of course they do. Yes. <laughs> well, you know, they? It's the, all Greek the, to me. The god, the god Zeus and Danae, who then later on after the golden shower gave birth to Perseus. Yeah. No! Uh, Jamie, thank you again for being here. Uh, it, it's really, it's a great honor to have you here. Um, and, you know, I, I would like to call you my friend. Um, we, we've known each other for several years now. And I think uh, beyond working in the theater, you know, one of the other things that we uh, really kind of bonded on um, was our love for comic books and everything. And uh, you are currently, I mean, pretty much a working comic book artist, if uh, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's that's my day job. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, com- uh, cartoonist and illustrator is what I, what I say I am because... People don't really know what cartoonist is, and I say I'm an illustrator as well. Uh, it works. I recently am doing I'm doing all of the can designs for Eight One Bay Brewing in, here in Tampa. Oh, cool! They they sponsored us tonight, didn't they? Yeah, I believe so. Yes, we actually they they gave us like four cans of beer. Sweet, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> Cur- hey, courtesy hey, of my fridge. Hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> they paid me in beer, and, yeah. and I then uh, shared in the wealth. Yeah, well. Uh, we're socialists. <laughs> <laughs> I did drink really. two beers before I brought the six back. Oh, <laughs> that's why they were missing. Yeah, that's right. That's right. No, I drank them before okay. I brought them over. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> you drank them in the car right here. So, so yeah. I, I parked on the road. <laughs> Could have... Jamie, you're straddling the yellow line in the center of the road. I think you might want to move your car. Your car's still moving. You didn't park anywhere. <laughs> 
so yeah, I do that, and then I also do uh, comic books. Recently, I did a book for the Comicsology Originals line that was Quarter Killer. I was the artist and uh, the artist. Period. I was the artist on that book, and I also do self-published stuff uh, through my label Bowtie Press. It is, uh, as a matter of fact, the day we're recording this. It is National Bowtie Day. Oh no shit! So. <laughs> It's and I didn't like, wear my bow tie. I didn't wear my bow tie. Yeah, which you tend to do. I, I mean, uh, you're, you're known for that. You're the bow tie guy. A, yeah, yeah. Kind of like in Problem Child, the bow tie killer. That's right. Yeah. You were just like Michael Richards in 1990s Problem Child. A hundred percent. But please uh, don't go on some sort of crazy, like, racist rant. Yeah, that's please. a movie I've never seen. Oh, that's okay. Really? You're not missing anything. Yeah. But, but Transylvania 6 5000, fucking genius. Michael Richards. It's a beautiful day to die. <laughs> 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 it's okay, okay. Don't judge this hotel by me. I'm just a talking brute. Talking brute? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's good, huh? It's funny. I love that movie, by the way. So yeah, I self-publish stuff. Uh, the The Baboon is my main... My main comic book that well, I do. It's a... ironically enough, uh, I thought this was pretty fascinating. With uh, the subject, I think, that we have a, a theme for this particular week here. Yes, we have Killbots. Killbots. Killer Robots. Yes. And you, Jamie, actually work on a comic called Tales of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I do. Uh, so, Tales of Monkeys Fighting Robots. Okay, is... so... <laughs> <laughs> That's it. That's the cut. <laughs> Tales of Monkeys Fighting Robots is a webcomic strip that comes out every Sunday on the Monkeys Fighting Robots comic book review site. Uh, so, monkeysfightingrobots.com. <laughs> Monkeys Fighting Robots comic book review? <laughs> so, is this like, you know, showgirls doing can-can and they're dancing monkeys? And Just, please tell me you know how to draw Elizabeth Berkeley in the shape of a monkey. Don't we all? Okay. She's cool. a dancer. I'm not a whore. Um... <laughs> But yeah, it comes out, it's, it is a space battle epic between these space monkeys and space robots, and they fight each other. The new thing that we're doing now, we just hit 60, 68 strips, I think is what I just finished, but we just did, it's Robot Monkey Zombies. Oh my god. That's right. This that sounds god. fucking awesome. Yeah, That's where I'm we sold. are now. I am so sold. Look, I've got a... You know, I've got a boner for apes, I've got a boner for robots, and I love zombies. Well, right, right now you early. actually I... have a robot monkey on your shirt. That's right, this True, is uh, Mechanicong uh, from uh, King Kong Escapes, uh, 60s Japanese uh, kaiju film, and I got the shirt from Friend Prices on Etsy, and I highly recommend that you uh, check them out if you want to be just like me. Anyway, yeah, I love that shit. So that's like right up my alley. Yeah, it's, it's super fun. It's we're like I said, sixty-eight strips in, something like that. Yeah, it's crazy. That's a lot. That's awesome. Man. Congratulations! I, I love the fact that this is what you do because I, it's just I, 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 and I hate the fact that there are people that say to other people, "You can't do this." That's uh, it's so stupid. It doesn't. It's this is time old. Everybody, I mean, when comic books are an, an art form that is brought out of just. I mean, newspaper, mass media, it's just, it's disposable art, essentially. Sure. And it's and it's uh, production art most of the time. Like, my original pages are not good looking. They're 
pasted up and taped together, you know, yeah. like whatever makes it look good on the actual page. That's, right. that's the art that I have to do. So yeah, it's just, it's where, where do you value things? Mm-hmm. Luckily we're now at a point where Sotheby's is starting to auction off like high end comic book pages yeah. and there's touring shows. So the form is being elevated, but I still think it's, you know, it's lowbrow. And it, I think it will always be lowbrow, and that's kind of where it should be and should be able to thrive in that lowbrow setting. I don't think that there's What would a, Roy Lichtenstein say? He would say, I'm sorry I stole all that art while you died in a hospital bed, uh, comic book artist who didn't get any money for the work that you did while I stole all of your panels and put it and reproduced it and became super rich because of it. That's what he would say. Well, uh, that what you said, though, uh, about lowbrow is a perfect segue into... Uh, what we're talking about here, because we do guys have moments before it seems nuclear annihilation, and I think it's probably best for us to program this yeah, double we feature. Yeah, probably crank this out because yeah, time is ticking away. That is so, right. Uh, that is right. Um, well, Chris, why don't you go ahead and start us off? What do you think would be a great choice for our Killbots double feature extravaganza? The movie that I have chosen for this particular theme of Killbots is 1990s Hardware, directed by Richard Stanley. We're in a time of throwaway technology. I give you 30, 40, 50. I know you'd see it my way. Only some of the stuff that gets thrown away isn't dead. No? Merry Christmas, baby. I got something else you like. What is it? It's asleep. And when it wakes up, it'll become something entirely new. I gotta see. It's important. Meet me in one hour. A creature that combines the technology of a computer, the deceit of a human, and the killer instinct of a machine. James, listen to me. This is serious. Jill is in trouble. I didn't see anybody. Get ready for an encounter with some seriously heavy metal. Get ready for hardware. It stars uh, Dylan McDermott, Stacey Travis, John Lynch, Iggy Pop, Carl McCoy, and the late, great William Hootkins, Jr. (laughs) So glad you oh said yeah, that. man, Jack Porkins himself, you know, <laughs> you know the guy in, in in Raiders of the Lost Ark that said top men, you know, <laughs> good old Billy Hoot, yeah, Billy Hoots, Billy Hoots, Billy Hoots. <laughs> yeah, this is what we all used to call him. Back yeah. In the day. So uh, the IMDb synopsis for this film says the head of a cyborg reactivates, rebuilds itself, and goes on a violent rampage in a space marine girlfriend's apartment. <laughs> Honestly, I hadn't read that synopsis before. I'm reading it right now, but you want to know something? Yeah, that's pretty much it in a nutshell. No shit. That's, it's actually that's entirely the movie. But oh you God. pretty much you pour on tons of fucking awesome because this movie is fucking awesome. Well, it's funny you say that for two reasons. One, I've never seen it before, therefore I cannot comment. I am just shocked, man, that you have not seen this movie. I'm here's the thing, I'm super familiar with Richard Stanley, obviously, like uh and because I The used, guy has made like three movies I know. and this is one of them. I know. Well, but that's not it, it, it you know, it was kind of before my time really uh, as far as genre goes. I know that sounds really weird, but it was kind of off my radar for whatever reason. Um 
However, you know, I was reading Fangoria in the 90s, and there was the uh, awesome double article, like double issue article, where they talked about Island of Dr. Moreau. And that's oh, where, God, and they yeah. talked, and it's an interview with Richard Stanley. So I was hyper aware of the whole Dr. Moreau debacle um, at the age of like 13. And so yeah, I was, was like, I've got to find man. out about this director. And I was, you know, again, this is like pre internet. So I like scoured everything. I found Dust Devil. For whatever reason, hardware just was not easy for me to locate. Hard, well, it's hardware for me in 2020, not easy to look well, at. That oh, movie, wow, though, okay. it's been in litigation for years and years and years and years and years. God, which is just like Dust Devil. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And it just has to do with uh, producers involved in this. And here, here's, here's a lovely little tidbit. Yeah. Did you know that it was one of, uh, it was a Miramax production? No shit. Yeah. No, I didn't. So basically, um, there's a great documentary. That, uh, I've got the hardware uh, collector's edition. So it's a double disc set. It's got the movie and then it's got a second disc that's got all these extras and stuff. It's got actually a bunch of Richard Stanley's uh, short film projects that are on there too. Um, but there's this documentary where they kind of talk about the evolution of the film and, and much like uh, THX 11384EB, which was uh, George Lucas's kind of thesis project. Who? And George Lucas... Okay, just oh. look. Just look at me and imagine that I was like 15 years <laughs> earlier and a lot fatter, and that's George Lucas. Okay, now I know who you're talking about. Yeah, that guy. Okay, okay. yeah, I don't know. He directed some Howard the movies. Duck. Yeah, exactly. The guy that's responsible with Willard Hook for Howard the Duck. Uh, but anywho, uh, don't forget Gloria Katz. Yes, we're not going to forget Gloria Katz. Okay. What are you supposed to be, a lion tamer? I'm allowing you to tag along. This kind of was spawned out of one of his short film projects, and he took this idea that he had based upon like a nightmare that he had when he was like a 13-year-old kid and expounded upon it. And there was a, a, a local cinema club that was in London. Um, Richard Stans is actually from South Africa, right. but he's got an interesting story, you know, history. He's of got the, a lot of interesting yeah, stories. Yeah, a lot of interesting <laughs> stories. I mean, the dude, you kind of look at him and think, you know, is this guy on the spectrum? Because like, you know, he's just, he's very interesting, you know, in speaking, but there's fucking genius there. Uh, yeah, and sure. I will, for I sure. will, I will you know, defend that man. You can fight me on this one, but Richard Stanley is a fucking genius. Absolutely, he's a madman. Yeah, but he is an absolute genius. I'm as with well. you on that. I'm with you. He's definitely um, a visionary. And and Hardware was one of those movies that just it kind of changed my life. Really, wow. I, I, it was. You know, there, there's been a few films that are out there that, like, when I saw them, my concept of, you know, the world in general and what is possible. I mean, Heathers was one of those movies. Like, the first time I saw Heathers, it blew my fucking mind. Uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey was another one that just, like, blew my mind. And believe it or not, Hardware was another one. Um, it was... Wait, wait. I, what about Fart Party 7? Well, actually, it was Fart Party Six and a Half. Oh, Jesus that was, Christ! Yeah, the Fart DVD Party Seven, one? the one that went straight to DVD. Well, I don't know. It was I, like I, where I, they just added the, sh no, the no, stuff. No, 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 no. It movie. was the one that went to DVDA. Now you're a Okay, got it. Yeah, all right. You don't ever do DVDA, and I, I hope everybody is aware of that at home. All you youngsters, uh, Google it. Yeah, but I saw Hardware. I, I was probably like a freshman or sophomore in high school. Um, my my best friend and I went to the video store. 
uh, we saw this sitting on the wall, kind of read the synopsis for it and said, okay, this seems like a you know interesting movie. I had no idea what we were going to be watching that evening. Um, we go back, put the movie on, um, and you know I didn't really know anything about it ahead of time. The movie had been out for maybe like a year at that point. So we're looking at like maybe 1991, maybe 92. Um, and it was the soundtrack that got me. Like, you know, we're, we're watching this thing and all of a sudden the credits run and it's like fucking Iggy Pops in this movie. <laughs> holy shit, that's fucking badass. And then we keep on watching it. And we're like, holy shit, that's Lemmy from Motorhead. Yes. You know, he's like the taxi driver. Holy crap. And, um, you know, Dylan McDermott, I had recognized before, you um, know, Prior to this, I think he had done like Steel Magnolias. <laughs> okay, know? now is is Dylan McDermott? I he is exactly like who's the other actor that he looks exactly like? Or no, no, no. It's it's the name that gets you. It's Dermot Maroney. Okay, <laughs> and then no, no, it is. Look nothing um, it's because uh, I was watching the movie and I was like, who's this person look alike? Yeah, I said it. Uh, you said, now I can't remember. I yeah, I, but uh, definitely the name is confusing as fuck. They, you know, is it honestly, Kevin Klein. Does he look like Kevin Klein? Or does he look like? Gerard Butler, asshole. <laughs> okay, so it's not Kevin Klein. Okay, I'm I'm wrong. I think it's another Klein though. Huh? It's uh, Calvin Klein. Calvin Klein. You know what? Oh, you mean Michael J. Fox? Yes. Yes. Rest in peace. <laughs> oh, what is he? Oh, 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 he's still alive. Yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> I don't read the news. He's so, pill rolling right now. So you love you love that movie. Love I, I I absolutely love this movie, and you know the soundtrack on this movie because you know at the time I was little punker borderline goth kid uh <laughs> so the fucking soundtrack was just awesome i mean like motorheads on the soundtrack um ministry is in there uh and also public image limited you know john lightman yeah. or johnny rotten from the sex pistols his band and wow. uh, the fucking track uh the order of death from the album this is what you want this is what you get which is pretty much the lyrics to the song this is what you want this is what you get this is what you want Um, you know, the whole thing, it's a post-apocalyptic uh, film. It starts off with... Uh, actually, it's, it's a post-apocalyptic film that calls him Max, and he says, don't call me Max. <laughs> really? Yeah, yes. he does. Is that like a, like a, a line? Okay. But the movie actually starts, uh, you know, I think they filmed this in the deserts of Namibia. Um, you've got this character that comes walking through the desert, and, you know, he's got this, you know, big like wide-brimmed hat and you know glasses and it's and Richard wearing, like, Stanley no it's not Richard Stanley oh. you would think that it was <laughs> no it's actually the lead singer of this goth band called the Fields of the Nephilim Holy uh, shit. Carl McCoy yeah which you know at the time I wasn't into that band but you know later on I became you know very very familiar with it and everything and like when I went back I was like oh shit that's Carl McCoy from <laughs> Fields of the Nephilim um but he's this scavenger. I think they call him Nomad. And he's going through this area of high radiation and finds buried like in a minefield what you think at first is a skull. But it turns out it's a piece of metal and like, you know, where the eye sockets are, there are cameras in there. So it's this droid that he's found out in the wasteland and everything. And so he picks up all the pieces after kind of excavating it. And then he brings it into the city where uh, he's going to sell it to a or sell it to a junk dealer, and that's where we kind of run into Dylan McDermott and his friend Shades and everything, and they kind of cut this deal where Dylan McDermott is going to buy uh, the materials, you know, this this droid that he's found, and then he'll try to sell it to the junk dealer, 
and everything, but not to get you know overly complicated. But which uh, it sounds like it's a, yeah, yeah, very yeah. I'm sorry, my, my explanation <laughs> is shit. But I mean, let's. Uh, it's not shit. That's exactly what happens in the movie. Really? Okay. Yeah. So I, you know, here's something. I, you know, was while well, I was perusing these IMDb reviews. Not that that's and. I we tend to do a thing on here where we like to read the worst review on IMDb. It's what's amazing to me is there are straight up. It's like it is a highly divisive film. So there are people yeah, that I think absolutely you either love, love it or it, you hate it, yeah. and then there are people that absolutely just fucking despise it. I, I, I'm I might be on that side. Really? Yeah. I okay. really I really went in wanting to love it. I saw stills from it. I was like, oh man, this is right up my alley. This yeah. is This. But I. I don't know. Didn't work, huh? Convince me. I'm going to read this review. Um, but you, hey, you got to do it in a British accent, okay? I can't do accents. You want me to read all. it instead? You, you want to read your own review? Yeah, go I'll read it. Yeah, go for it. it. All right, do all it. Right. It says, this is the second worst film I've ever seen. <laughs> Real quick. <laughs> There's a big reason why that's in there, because he, <laughs> he specifies, like, this is the second... <laughs> Yeah, this is the second worst film way, I've is, ever what seen. What's your name? What's your name? Uh, Robin Twenty Five. Oh, okay. This was written in February of the year two thousand. Oh wow! Interesting oh. connection. To it the says film. here, other than Independence Day, this was undoubtedly <laughs> the worst film I have ever seen. I cannot believe I sat there for its duration. It must have been the impression I formed that it must improve at some point, but sadly, it never did. This is the only film I ever asked for my money back. If the producers of this rubbish ever read this, you guys owe me £2.70. <laughs> I love that his worst movie he's ever seen is Independence Day. And I'm like sitting here like, all the movies I have ever seen, that movie would not even approach <laughs> the bottom of the barrel of worst movies. But this is second for him, hardware. No, if this was Alien Movies, I would choose Independence Day. <laughs> but this is Killer Robots. No, but I mean, the movie's ultra low budget. Uh, you know, I think it was shot for like 800,000 pounds, I think. And then the remainder of the money that they needed, they had to go to this film company called Miramax. And these guys named Bob and Harvey Weinstein and get the rest of the movie and of course one of their uh, conditions was we've got to have American leads in it so Richard Stanley said okay I'm going to do like this this weird mixture of American cast members and British cast members and you let's just kind of make it multinational but the whole thing had to take place in America because I think initially he also wanted it to be a very English type of story now this is a South African who was an expat living in England and you know wants to do this kind of consummate English story um well, can I can we talk about that real quick yeah, for sure. a second story? And Jamie, maybe you you may or may not. I don't want to sound make you sound silly if you don't. But like, there are people that claim, and actually, the there was a lawsuit brought to the film that was successful um, because Richard Stanley claimed the screenplay credit. However, supposedly it's plagiarized or heavily based on um, a story called Shock that was published in. Uh, Specifically, Judge Dread Annual 1981, yeah, it's 2000 which AD is a spinoff magazine. of 2000 AD. Yeah. So, I, do, are you familiar with those comics at all? With 2000 AD, I'm I'm loosely familiar with yeah. 2000 AD. I, I mean, I'm, I know D- Judge Dread. I know yeah. a lot of the Future Shock stuff, but I am not familiar with this particular 
uh, story, but yeah, I'm going to look it up. Yeah, one, I'm very one curious. One of many lawsuits, I think, that were kind of, because, uh, I mean, the people have been fighting over the profits for this movie for years, which is why it's so hard to fucking find. That's interesting. Um, and that's, and that's a, you know, that's the good old Weinstein. Yeah, it? well, Absolutely. Well, you know, I think that that, that, that that Harvey Weinstein might actually be the inspiration for one of the characters in this movie. Oh, no shit. Oh, no. I would be surprised. So, right? yes. Um, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's uh, disgusting. It, it is disgusting. You know, it, one of the creepiest characters in all of fucking cinema. And I, I think it's a brilliant performance. I, now, mean, I, I might have to give a little bit of a, a synopsis yeah, yeah, yeah. here, okay? So, anyway, this Marine guy buys a robot takes it home like the, the skull of this robot and gives it to his girlfriend who's like an industrial artist you know she builds sculpture and shit and he thought you know she can put this in one of her sculptures so uh, you know he comes home and you know there's this romantic interlude between the two of them which actually is like totally you know set to the public image limited song which is a pretty awesome scene and is then, it a sex scene? yeah it's a sex scene so you're scene. telling me there's a 90s movie with a sex scene that isn't set to, like, Enigma. No, no, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's... I can't, I... I can't believe it. And you can see Titty in this one too. Yeah, it's huh. it's pretty hot. It's but a then, long sex scene. It's a long scene. sex okay. scene. But it's it's one of those things kind it's, of it's it's tasteful. It needs to be there. It's for the yeah, story. It's fucking hot. It starts off in a fucking shower, you know, and you know, Mo who's With just come Mo, back. Mo has his robot claw that he's like like touching up all on the girl. It's yeah. it's not well, he's a soldier that lost his arm and everything. But like, you know, he, I, well, whatever, man. Okay. <laughs> Look, Chris is into some weird shit, okay? <laughs> but you know, it starts off like in this 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 cool shower scene and everything and you know, they're just like all making out in the shower and everything and then all of a sudden you kind of cut to uh them being in, in bed and she's riding him like the Kentucky Derby and everything and then all of a sudden the scene kind of changes a little bit because you begin to realize wait a second they're being watched oh shit so there's a guy that's in Harvey another Weinstein. building pretty, pretty much yeah. oh, okay. Harvey Weinstein <laughs> is actually watching them have sex and this is part of, I think, Richard Stanley's genius here. The way that he kind of shoots this particular scene is that you see this guy looking through a camera with a telephoto lens. So basically just his eyes are illuminated and Stanley kind of cuts between the viewfinder where you're watching uh, uh, Stacey Travis and Dylan McDermott have sex and then you know the shot of William Hootkins' eyes which he's wearing like a lot of eyeliner in this too, but you know, it's his eyes. And then all of a sudden it cuts down to his mouth, which he's got like, you know, this big fucking gross, like cold sore herpes on his lip and everything like that. And he's like mumbling and just kind of talking. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Suck that dick dry. Yeah. Yeah. Ride that cock. Yeah. Fill her all the way up. I mean, it's like, it is, it goes from being very, very sexy to being very, very like, Rubblesome so Richard and Stanley basically was like, okay, so when like little teenage boys see this and they want to jerk off to it, I'm going to make sure <laughs> ruin their experience. Exactly. 100%. <laughs> like, and I, just, I told you Richard Stanley was a genius, you know? <laughs> and it just goes on. That's it goes wild. on for And he's actually, forever. you know, yeah. you, you go Richard like, Stanley ruining teenagers' orgasms. But the editing, man, is fucking awesome. So it's a cut between like, they're fucking, it's his eyes, it's his mouth, and he's just grumbling. And then they cut to his hand, and he's got like a kind of a a, a, a 
plunger that he's using, like little hand plunger uh, that you use on cameras and everything, kind of just a remote. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's just taking shots of this whole thing and everything. And then, you know, there's this climax. <laughs> and, you know, Hootkins just kind of sits back and he's just, you know, big and fucking fat with a big old waddle and he's all sweaty and everything. Okay, I get and it. It's like me. I love this fucking bitch. Oh, I love what you do to me. <laughs> And it is just, it is so disgusting. I mean, it really is. You're just like, oh, yeah, it did ruin my erection. Yeah, that's you know? great. So get some good cheers and jeers from the audience. Oh, but it's, it's but, but I'm telling you, Hootkins, you know, you, you never quite see him in a role like this. You know, he's, he's Porkins in Star Wars. He's one of the government guys in Raiders of the Lost Ark. He was Eckhart in uh, Tim Burton's Batman. You know? Hey, Eckhart, think about the future. You ain't got no future, Jack. You're an A1 nutball. And Grissom knows it. (laughs) It is probably one of the creepiest characters I've ever seen in all of cinema. So what I'm not hearing, though, is I'm not hearing anything about fucking killer robots. Oh, you know why? No, you know why? Uh, Because 45 minutes, you're watching this movie for 45 minutes, yeah. and there's no well, killer robot. Hold on a second here. Hey, 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 got to lead up to things, all right? <laughs> now, Jamie Jones, you're, you're considerably younger than I am, so I know that your attention span is like... <laughs> so let me kind of let me learn you something here, kid. Okay, while this entire sex scene is taking place, you know you've got this other voyeur, but there's not. That's not the only voyeur in the room. The fucking robot head that uh, Stacy Travis has put into her artwork is watching the entire time, and all of a sudden the eyes come to life on this thing, and it starts processing oh, yeah, everything runners. that it's seeing. Yes, and the thing about this robot is that it is uh, self repairing. And uh, the little junk dealer that Dylan McDermott went to before has found out, you know, what this thing is. And it turns out it is a new government killbot that has like six arms on it and everything. And it is designed to carry uh, like a cytotoxin. So all of a sudden, like these fangs can like flip out from underneath the jaw. And the, the thing about like, Genuinely the, the, never the, while they're learning wrong. about what this robot is, they call it the Mark 13 uh, is that it injects its victims with this cytotoxin, but it's also hallucinogen. So basically, people get in, injected with this drug and they die happy. Like it fucking rots yeah, them from okay. the inside out, but like they hallucinate and all kinds of like weird shit goes on and everything, which, you know, is kind of important for later on in the movie. But anyway, um, Mo gets a phone call from the junk dealer and says, dude, you got to get over here right now. I found out what this thing is and you need to, you need to hear about this. So he goes up to go meet with uh, the the junk dealer, who I didn't mention is a dwarf. <laughs> so, you know, we got to start racking up these. Okay, so we got titties. Okay, now we okay. got a dwarf in here. Yes. We do have killer robots. Okay. Okay. Uh, so he goes to go meet with the dwarf. Meanwhile, uh, Stacy Travis is going to go working on her, uh, you know, her artwork and everything. And the robot, or the, the skull... You know, basically starts to interface with all the other electronics and stuff that are in her apartment. So this whole thing turns into woman trapped in an apartment. It's like wait until dark with people that can actually see and robots. Okay. All so right. the robot begins to take take like all the stuff that's in her apartment and reassembles a body for itself. And it became comes this kind of game of cat and mouse, but 
doesn't quite happen, you know, right away. You know, the robot's in there and it's building itself. And it takes a good forty-five minutes. Oh no, no, this is even beyond the forty-five oh, minutes. Okay. <laughs> oh yeah, no, we're well into the fifty-minute mark. Moving on to the hour mark. Well, let me just ask you this. I mean, it's you said it's like it's what it's like a ninety-minute movie or something like that. An hour and fifty minutes. I think. Okay. Oh wow. All right. So it's, okay, so it's pushing the two-hour mark then. Yeah, it's getting there. I think it's one twenty. Is it? Yeah. I I wonder if there's two different cuts of it. Like, there are dust devils. Well, there are quite a few cuts that remain to this movie because apparently the gore was so over the top. And, I mean, even then, this is movie's it? pretty fucking is the, gory. Is it, is it gory? Is it a gory film? Well, there's the there's this one scene where um, the girl is trapped in the robot. Mo, her boyfriend, can't get back in. There's a security detail, like security guards that work in the apartment complex and everything. And the Mark 13 has set up the doors. So good. Uh, where the yeah, doors, so you, know, she, you know, they're big, huge, like industrial doors that are kind of sliding back and forth. And uh, as the security guards are coming to come, to come in, the door closes on one of the security guards. And he kind of they they are able to pry the doors open and get him, but like he's all fucking busted up inside he's and everything. Cut. And when he gets yes. cut in half, and like you know, uh, the the character uh, shades who is totally tripping on acid at this point uh, is trying to pull this dude out of the doorway, and as he pulls out the dude, the Mark Thirteen programs the doors to close, and it cuts this dude in half. Shades goes flying with his fucking legs. There's blood spraying everywhere. All of his just meat and viscera are pouring out and everything. Meanwhile. The guy that gets cut in half is carrying a friggin' uh, gun. It's like a Desert Eagle or something. Pulls the, the trigger on it and then blows his associate's brains out Jesus all over the fucking Christ. wall. Um, <laughs> all right. Here's another thing I like about this movie, too, okay? Stacy Travis ain't no bitch. Um, you know, Moe is the, is the space marine and everything, you know, and he's a little cocky and overconfident. But it's her who's really the hero in this. I mean, total heroine. She does not depend upon, uh, you know, male assistance of any kind. I mean, she loves Moe and everything, but she's totally capable of taking care of herself. And by the time we get to the end of the movie, she does. She takes care of business. It's interesting because you've said a few things that are actually actually parallel with uh, the choice that I made tonight that I, I'm kind of like, oh, wow, holy shit, I didn't realize. Um, so he probably just stole it from my choice, honestly. Probably. Um, well, okay, so, but before we get into that, we have somebody else's pick to go into, too. So can you, why don't you give us some drive-in totals? Tell us some things. What's going to make this great on the big screen? Okay, post-apocalyptic, man. Yeah. I mean, post-apocalyptic films are just fantastic yeah, for drive-in well. theaters, okay? Sure. Uh, you have Lenny from Motorhead. <laughs> doing a cameo in this movie. Okay. You have Iggy Pop, who is the character of Angry Bob, who's a radio DJ. You have practical effects. Okay. This movie is super low budget, but um, Bob Keane, who oh, is nice. responsible okay, yeah. for uh, designing Judgment in, in Hellraiser, uh, their, their company did the effects and actually, on agreement, did it for very little money. And, yeah. uh, you know, you can tell it's Actually, low that's budget. not true. It wasn't Bob Keane that did Hellraiser Judgment. I apologize. It was mm-hmm. Gary Tunacliffe. Bob yeah. Keane did Nightbreed and all the other stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sorry. Sorry, Bob. Well, he did some Hellraiser. So. I know. He did the one and two. Yeah. Uh, you've got that in there. Um, you've got some really good performances. Uh, I'm sorry, but, you know, William Hootkins, I said it before, is like the creepiest character I can think of. Billy Hoots. I mean, it's just, it's it's horrifying. Yeah, you got some boobs in there. You got lots of broken glass in this movie. Tons okay. and tons <laughs> of broken glass. Okay. All right. You have robots that inject you full of... 
hallucinogenic compounds that will kill you and rot your body. Sweet. There's this awesome scene where Mo is pretty much dying at the end and everything, and he's watching his arm fucking rot and like maggots and shit coming out of Been it. In there. Um, you've got a kick-ass female lead in this uh, movie, and you've got a really kick-ass soundtrack, man. I mean, I think I think also the shots, the cinematography in this movie for it being such a low budget film, that's part of what elevates this movie beyond being just a, a piece of shit. You can look at the shots that Richard Stanley put together and you know that like this dude is is a fucking genius. He's got it going on. Sweet. And if he All had right. better opportunity and some more money, you know, He'd he could make, make Island of Dr. Island Moreau. Of Dr. Moreau. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm in. I'm into it. Uh, why don't we take this time then? And uh, just take a minute and have a, a, a word from our sponsor. Oh, we all walk the wibberly wobberly walk. Are you ready for the smooth song stylings of Lincoln Weinberg Jr.? Then we have the collection for you. Slime Life Music presents Peeping Tones with such timeless hits like Wibbly Wobbly. And we all talk the wibberly wobberly talk. When you're spying on your neighbor through the window while she's getting plowed by her marine boyfriend who's just gotten back from a tour in the zone, the time is right for peeping tones. Oh, we all wear wibberly wobberly ties. Not since Buffalo Bill tucked that cock has a song been this creepy. And we look at all the pretty girls with wibbly-wobbly eyes. Peeping Tones from Slime Life Music. Available in cassette or compact disc. If you order in the next 60 minutes, you just pay for shipping and handling. Order now. I made that up. Well, to our guest, Jamie, what do you have tonight for our potential drive-in double feature double bill of killbots what do you got i bring to the table the world's end ever had one of those nights that starts out like any other but ends up being the best night of your life i did our goal that night was simple 12 pubs 12 pints from the first post to the world's end but that night we never made it I saw the boys the other day. Uh-huh. We're going to go back to Newton Haven. Why? Five guys, 12 pubs, 50 pints. 60 pints. <laughs> Steady on, you alky. This is our chance to finally finish what we started. <laughs> we are going to do the Golden Mile, and this time we are going to see it through to the bitter end. Or lager end. What the hell is this? Why are we even here? We are here to get annihilated. You come back and everything's sort of weird. I suggest you get on your way. It's the last that's changed. It's the town. We are going to get to the world's end if it kills us. Oh, no. The world's end. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah, what? But okay, but what You're movie? a fucking apocalyptic... Like, what are you? You're like one of the... One of the antichrists? <laughs> Should I bow down to you and suck <laughs> your dick? What's going on here? One of the... <laughs> Well, you Are know you what one it said. The Antichrist. Nostradamus <laughs> said that there were going to be three. Yeah. Well, also Nostradamus slept with his daughter. <laughs> That's what I heard. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you were 
honestly listening to these men. So the world's end. The world's end. Year. Was 2013. <laughs> We've got Bill Shatner here tonight, folks. <laughs> year 2013. Director. <laughs> Edgar Wright. I've heard of that guy. Uh, fantastic. Writer. Simon Pegg. And Edgar Wright. Uh, starring. Simon Pegg. Mm-hmm. And Nick Frost. And uh, Patty Constant. Considine. Considine. Yeah, Considine. great Patty Considine. Mm-hmm. I love that man. Uh, love him. Martin Freeman. Mm-hmm. Eddie Marson. Uh, Rosamund Pike. Okay. Yeah. So a bunch of like limey, pasty British people. Listen, it's, it's a, a solid <laughs> cast. It's a solid cast. I watched this movie just recently with my girlfriend, and she was like, oh, damn. <laughs> this cast is really good. And I was like, mm-hmm. So what, okay, what is the synopsis uh, that IMDb provides of the world's end. Yes. Five friends who reunite in an attempt to top their epic pub crawl from 20 years earlier unwittingly become humanity's only hope for survival. Okay. Dun, dun, dun. Now, so here's the thing. I have seen this movie. Uh, I've only seen it once. That does sound like a uh, pretty accurate. It's pretty, it's pretty, I mean, that is... Without really any spoilers. That's what I put on the back of the box. (laughs) What's interesting is that just like hardware... There are, it is a very polarizing film. There are people that absolutely love it, and there are people that fucking despise it. And I just, before we go into it, I'm going to go ahead and read the worst review oh, please do. that I read on IMDb. Ooh, and what's weird, British again, just like hardware, there's a lot of them. There's, there's a lot of one-star reviews for this, which even me seeing it not being the biggest fan of the movie... Um, the, uh, well, it's just a bunch of fuckheads that think every one of his movies should be like Shaun of the Dead. Of and course, don't get me wrong. I love Shaun of the of Dead. Of course, it's they a piece are brilliance. But it's like, come well, on, just a bunch of fucking keyboard warriors, and even these keyboard warriors don't know how to write proper sentences. So here we go. Schnoid twelve. Schnoid. So you know a reliable source. Uh, headline: Pointless garbage. <laughs> Pointless garbage. So it's obviously not a Brit because they would have said pointless rubbish. Ru- you're was... absolutely right. And this is what he asks, uh, totally out of touch from the immediate first sentence. Is the Coke they serve in the writer's rooms in the UK just boric acid and baby powder? Or what? Are the winters that long and gray? In what damp bog did anyone think to try and make this empty wad of mud and sticks attempt to stand and walk on its own? Blech! Somebody reads Mad Magazine. From a hyper-scattershot beginning of gratuitous sunny boy backstory, it quickly builds to the same joke over and over and over until, out of left field it becomes, oh wow. I suppose you could call it a reach, but it's more like the opposite. Flat one-liners, obvious setups, and so much filler. And fight scenes with, fight scenes with things with no fate. Okay, yeah, and OMG, what a stitch. Mismatched body parts and moving awkwardly. Uh... On top of that, they even made a straight face attempt at a sequel or something at the end. What was that? And I'll leave that part out because it's kind of a spoiler. I just don't understand how crap like this gets made. From a guy who probably has never created a single thing in his entire fucking life. Well, I think think... he's like so fucking clever. Ooh, look at all the words that I put in there. I'm such a clever... I'm a critic. I would also... Snoy 12, go fuck yourself. I would also say, from a person who's probably not old enough to understand what the movie's about, right? Because they haven't lived it. They're probably still in Look, I'm 17 years old, okay? I know exactly what it's like to be a 40-year-old man trying to recapture my perfect glory years. Right. Trying to recapture the time that 
I'm in right now. That's what it feels like. I'm not, because I'm sitting at home jacking myself off and not going out and socializing with friends. Right. So that's what I think the heart of this movie and what I think this movie really does exceptionally well. Because I have been in this situation multiple times. I don't think it happens just once in a person's life, but this movie... You've been 40 multiple times? I have. (laughs) How fucking Um, old are you, Jamie? Holy shit and eternal. I am a vampire. <laughs> you know, to be honest with you, I don't think I've ever seen you. Oh, no, there was that one time I saw you during the daytime. Oh, but I invited you into my house. But I glittered. Yeah, just... I shined and glittered <laughs> like the sun. Like Batman. Like, like Batman. <laughs> just like Batman. What the movie does exceptionally well is pathos, right? That's every character is set up in every character is set up in eight minutes of this movie. We are getting, we are going eight minutes into this movie. We're like, I, I, I know all of these people. I know all of these characters. They're going on to this road trip. One of these guys is, uh, Simon Pegg's character is, is getting the, Gary King. Mm-hmm. What a great name. <laughs> Gary, Gary King. King. Uh, sounds like everybody's like, everybody knew a Gary King. He's the King and <laughs> yeah. everyone calls him the King. All right. And he, and this ties back into the end of the movie. But he's he's Gary King. He's Gary fucking King, right? Like, that's what he is. And he wears a Sisters of Mercy t-shirt, which I totally identified <laughs> with. I'm like, yeah, I know. It, <laughs> it, it just... You love him and you hate him all at once, very quickly. It starts off, he's in an AA meeting. And then... Uh, that, what a great start to a movie. Uh, he's talking about the time he didn't complete the Golden Mile. The Golden Mile is 12 beers... Uh, 12 pubs in his hometown and he never completes it he only gets to nine and the guy looks at him the guy next to him says are you ever upset that you never finished the golden mile and then it cuts like pan up to simon Pegg's face pan up and we see the circle of the whole aa meeting cut to now he's trying to get his old friends to get the gang back together to go and complete this golden mile. That's great. Like he's never thought of it before until this dickhead says it yes, to him. Yes, <laughs> like, and he's in this other alcoholic and says it to him. He's like, oh shit. Yeah, what a great idea. Yeah, what a great idea. <laughs> I need to get I need to get back on the horse. Um yeah. and, and his Wait, he does heroin too? Not in <laughs> this movie. Oh, you no. said get back on the horse. No, in real life. In real life. Oh, in real life, right. Simon Pegg's a heroin addict. I don't really? know if you guys know uh, that. Well, not. did you yeah. see those pictures of him and stuff like that, where he was all like, oh, oh, it's scary. Yeah, yeah, for sure. With him, the ones with him and Harvey oh. shooting heroin. <laughs> okay, uh, moving on. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, no, another Harvey, Harvey the Wonder Hamster. Oh, Weird Al's buddy. He gets the gang back together. Un- they don't want to get back together. They've all moved on with their lives. Several of them are married. To Yoko? Uh, one of them's name, I can't remember. Her name's Vanessa. He never remembers that the one is married, and that, that joke comes up every now and then. Oh, that's Somebody great. Said, he's like so out of his life that he's like, oh, right, you're married. Right, like, right. Okay. He's like, um, that would be one of those flat one-liners. Okay. That, uh, oh boy. Yeah. Flat. Right. Okay. Um, 
you know, one-liners developed around character development yeah. and not and not just jokes. Anyway, yeah, the movie is it's 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 great. There is so the the gang starts off on their pub crawl. All of the names of the pubs foreshadow what actually happens in the pub, like the robot guys that come and attack them. You've got the, the okay. So there are killer robots in this killer robot movie. Oh yes. No, I, I have seen the movie. It's going to be forty five fucking minutes into the movie before they show up, but there are killer robots. Nope. There's. Uh, it is much quicker than that. Um, yeah, but you don't realize what you're looking at until you get about forty five. Oh shit! Are they Maybe. aliens? They have a robots? whole conversation. Is it set up like aliens? I, I really can't remember the movie. Like, no, it's I, it's not because when the second they start singing, these are robots because they smash a guy's head in and they pop his head off. In, in oh, okay. Oh, what a great scene! They uh, there's a fight scene. So what is really what I think is really fun about this movie is in uh, hardware, alien uh, the the robot has like it's like shopping mechanisms and they go to chop the things and in your pick we didn't get there is the none of that cock. <laughs> uh, yes in, in your pick there is no chopping mm-hmm. um and but in this movie there is no chopping either everyone is just like grabbing so it's just this very fluid kind of martial arts everything is trying mm. to get away the uh, the robots have the way that they destroy your mind is grabbing your head and then sucking your essence out of you okay okay um so what happens in the first the first thing is is simon Pegg is going to the bathroom trying to relive his glory days with a another rival young group of kids and he's like hey let me tell you about my glory days and this kid is like i have no interest in it and simon Pegg starts to get a little belligerent you've got blue on you you've got red on you and and the teenagers like you don't want to do this and then just they they start fighting and Simon Pegg trips the guy and he like hits his head on the urinal and uh-huh. his head pops off oh shit okay. and that's the reveal of robots and then like his eyes are still blinking and his body starts moving so now Simon Pegg's fighting a uh, headless, headless torso, robot yeah, right, guy. Yeah. And the rest of the team comes in, the rest of his party comes in, and they're like, what's what's going on? And then the rest of the robots' friends come in, so now it's like the old versus the new. Yes. And they're fighting these robots in a bathroom store. Robot fight in the bathroom. It's super great. It's such a tight space to have a really epic fight scene. Ugh. It's like Invasion of the Body Snatchers meets the Stepford Wives. Okay. It's uh, 100%. There's there's a really great scene where the twins they go to a bar and there's twins and the one of the twins is destroyed and one of the twins the other twin her arms are ripped off so she takes the legs of the other twins <laughs> and starts like that's great like uh, puts wait puts them on the arms puts them on the arms and starts oh fighting with the, I'm going to kick your ass with my arms <laughs> so wait basically just like what we used to do with like toys like when you oh. pop off those are you like you replace yes. the parts like that that's okay yeah. you can stretch them squash them take them apart they'll return almost like new to their original forms so if you want to hatch up some fun you can crack open a manglore the manglore's manglore demon manglore dragon and manglizard each so separately from ideal it's definitely clearly made by a dude who used to play with his toys, his action figures. That's the whole... I feel like that's the thing that I really relate to that movie. Their 
from a movie making aspect are chasing the things that they used to do yeah as children okay um fast forward it's a lot of it's a lot of them fighting robots and a lot of them going back home and not feeling like they're wanted and i go back home constantly uh my, my where, parents, where well you can never where? go home again uh, Vero Beach. Oh, okay. Is... Oh, shit. I used to... Uh, my mom lived in Vero Beach, so I was over there a lot. All yeah. the time. Actually. It's really weird growing up there and then going to high school there and then going back there now. Yeah, yeah. And it feels like a different place. So I think that's really... The movie does a really great job tapping into that particular feeling of going back to a small town that you have outgrown and you and your friends don't connect anymore. Just a city boy and raised himself to trust. He took the midnight train going anywhere. It's basically a journey <laughs> If I song. hold him, will you punch him about the face you in can there? Do it. I can do that. Uh, so yeah, it's it does a really great job at, at, at tackling that emotion. Mm-hmm. And Like all of his movies really do tend to you know, like, they're all obviously very, 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 very funny movies, but they just, again, like Ghostbusters, a lot of these, kind of, they handle all of the elements straight. Like, it's just, the comedy comes out of the reaction to the situation, but all of the shit that, like, I just remember, like, in Shaun of the Dead especially, you know, the drama is actually very potent and very strong, and it's just because they, they are just committed to... The threat is real. Yeah. And the the, the kind of the comedic element that that continues on is they have to continue the pub crawl to make the robots not think that they're on to the robots mm-hmm. so they have to continue to they get so progressively more drunk, more drunk as drunk. it goes on okay. yes I like that so too. it's yeah. this it's this uh funny kind of dichotomy of the heroes and the team is getting more drunk dealing and the threat is getting higher every single time more robots are following them more like they turn around and there's just 15 robots behind them and they're just looking at them it's it grows yeah, paranoia in, in intensity there. it grows but it's also like you drink a lot that's what you feel like yeah already and then you're just also on its, own? Okay. Yeah, it's yeah. just it's elevating so many things uh, being back home, not being recognized, being the king of your hometown. Let me ask you this. Where does it fall in that The Great Cornetto Trilogy? Where do you feel, like, if you had to rank the three films? So it's my favorite. Of the three? Of the three. Wow. Okay. Um, All right. And I know I'm not alone in this feeling. Okay. I, we have a mutual friend who also agrees on this. Cool. But it's... Is he dead? It she? is not. It's Jack Holloway. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. All right. Um, yeah, well, never heard of him. Yeah. No. Uh... <laughs> But yeah, my it's it's my favorite. I think because of all of these all of these reasons and feelings of of the characters. I think I relate more to the characters, so it's just my favorite. Sure. My favorite of them. Uh, I also think the fight scenes are insanely well executed. They're choreographed fight scenes. I, I prefer choreography than like fast cutting. Although I'm sure there's a lot of fast cutting in it because it's Edgar Wright, but like he's a director who knows how to Fast guy. How to, yeah, but right. he also knows how to choreograph and, that's and, and, and right. move people around. And, like, that's one of my biggest pet peeves in fight scenes in general. Even honestly, you can't the, see what's going on. Yeah, but also there's movies like John Wick where everybody was like, this fucking movie, the fight scenes are awesome. It's, and I was just like, I, 
I'm, I'm sorry, I just don't feel that way. I need to see some wide-angle shots and that the, just linger and let me see it play out. Well, that's what's so great to go back to this uh, bathroom fight scene. There's ten characters fighting in a bathroom, <laughs> and you can track all of them. That's great, yeah. It's, it's kind of brilliant. For that one fight scene in, sure. in general, just from a choreography you know, standpoint, uh, like uh, on a, and from a directing standpoint, like the sense of geography is like the most important. One of the most important things you can do as a filmmaker is establish a sense of geography. It's something that like shows that are very popular, like The Walking Dead, do horribly. Where it's you're just kind of like, where the fuck? I get that I'm in a bathroom, but I don't understand where in the bathroom yeah. I'm looking and what's going on. I do know, like Edgar Wright is brilliant at. It's, I mean, it's really like, it's a comic book film. It's like, you you look panel to panel in good storytelling, and it's there. You can see it kind of coming together properly. So Scott Pilgrim versus the robots? (laughs) You know, by the way, again, not a movie that blew my mind. I just rewatched that recently, and it did blow my mind. Did you? So I, I have a thing when it comes to movies about relationships and relationship drama, I usually tend to like go snooze. I don't know for whatever Such reason. Such a fucking guy. I, I just I, no. It's just because it's like been there, thought of that. I, I but just uh, to, to let's bring it back to my movie. Yes, please. Um, yes, yes. That's in World's End. You've got the the uh, God. What's her name? Rosamund, Rosamund Pike. Pike. It's Rosamund Pike. I was trying to think of the character's name, but she she comes in and Simon Pegg's character was fancied her. And then the other, his his rival best friend guy also fancied her. So you have this dynamic of here's these guys in their forties still fighting for the same girl who they haven't seen in twenty years. It's great. It's great. Yeah, okay. And and so you have this romantic dynamic, and Simon Pegg's constantly hitting on her, but she's kind of grown out of his antics. It's <laughs> it's a brilliant like it hits. Every mark. Everything that you could say is like, well, does it have romance? Yes. Does it have action? Yes. Um, another thing, just for, for monster movies and robot movies yeah. that I really appreciate, is we the, the characters and the robots are set up uh, very quickly. We get what they do and how they operate, and they don't grow with... Um, with the movie, they just we're just playing with that particular uh, particular trope. Okay. Their arms come off, their legs come off, and they can put themselves back together. So, okay, great. We pop off a head. Now this torso can fight without uh, without a head. Great, we pop off their arms. We're going to put feet on their arms, right? Because we can pop these things back together. So the the way the monster works, the way the robot works, is the same throughout the whole movie. We don't get like, now the robots are forming a mega robot okay. to like grow into a crazy thing. Ready to form Voltron. Activate interlock. Dynatherms connected. Infracells up. Mega thrusters are go. Go Voltron Force. That doesn't happen. They just use the the. So there's a robot's rules of order. The robot's rules of order, yeah, mm-hmm. entirely, and they don't go away from that. They don't sh- 
They don't okay, stray so from it, that. it creates rules, a, a set of rules, and adheres to them successfully. Again, like Ghostbusters, like some of the best movies that straddle genres. Right. Um, it's taking the threat seriously and working out what it possibly is and how it functions. Entirely. Yeah. I love that kind of stuff. I think what people really hate about the movie, because I think the movie is pretty easy to follow, pretty easy to go with. The end of the movie, so I guess spoiler spoiler alert, is the apocalypse happens. Yeah, it's interesting. That's really the movie lost me there when I saw it in theaters. I remember just kind of going like, oh, it, I just, I will also say this though, like, I remember walking out of the theater and saying, I'll bet this movie gets better the more times I see it. Be- just because, honestly, Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz did the same thing for me. They they just got better and better and better yeah. every time I saw them. And well, there's so much crammed into there's those. so much happening. Mm-hmm. And the 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 shitty thing is is that like for me, I never saw it a second time. I just never. I was. It is. I think it's infinitely better on the second watch. Yeah. Which is... Maybe because you know probably a little bit more about... Which sucks because one of my big tenets... Like, I prefer to not know where the structure is going to take me. I love structure, as we know. Yes. But <laughs> to the point where I'm kind I, of a slave to it. I love How, structure too and I am yeah. also a slave to it. However, yeah. I love being surprised. Like, not, not knowing where something is going to go. And... I guess with with um, the world's end, I was kind of like, it just didn't it didn't taste right to me. I don't know how else to say it. What's interesting, and I think it's because you are getting so much information at the beginning of the movie, and the beginning of the movie is what ties to the end of the movie. Yeah, and there's just so much in between. In it, it is only a ninety minute movie, right? Yeah, it's a short. Is it short? Yeah, it's it's quick. It's in. It's out. But it ends. I'm a big fan of short films. Me, uh, oh, me, I thought you were going to be a fan too. of just it being quick in and out. Oh and well, it. no. What does that mean? I don't understand the reference. So it, and the movie ends with the the world ending, right? And they well, duh. It's like a fucking Chekhov's gun. What's the name of the goddamn movie? But entirely, and they do that the whole movie. So what <laughs> happens in the movie? Every bar signals what is going to happen in the movie. It foreshadows. It foreshadows. That's a great word. That's the word I should have used. I have an English degree. Um, (laughs) So the movie foreshadows its entire self, culminating into the end of the the last bar, the world's end. The world ends. The internet basically explodes, and uh, it goes into this post-apocalyptic world, uh, Nick Frost takes over the narration of the movie, and it goes to what happens with the rest of the characters throughout. Uh, the the final like driving force ending part of the movie is you've got Simon Pegg, Gary King walking with his boys, who are the robot versions of his uh, of his original crew. So he is now getting to relive his 17-year-old life the, for the rest of his life. He's got a big sword on his back. He becomes King Arthur, okay. right? He becomes Gary King. It's him and his, and his round table. And they go okay. off and they go to a bar. They go to a bar that says, uh, no blanks allowed. Blanks is what they start calling the robots. And they go in. And they ask for five waters. He asks for five waters. Uh, which is like... 
he starts as an alcoholic in the beginning yeah, so of the he movie. he has an arc. And he has an arc, okay. and he becomes... Uh, and it's because he turns realizes... Turns pussy. He turns into a guy who realizes that what he was chasing that whole time was the alcohol, and what he was really missing was his friends, and now he has that support group. So, like, man, really hit hit the nail on the head. But I think that's what people really missed when they came out of that movie was just like, that was a weird ending. But yeah. no, he gets to be the king. He gets to be Gary King for the rest of his life because he gets what he's actually been chasing hmm. uh, for 30 years. I, I, I would love to see it again. I mean, like you sold me, I'm wanting to see it again. That's for sure. I, I like, I, it's just one of those ones where, again, it's a director that I feel like can't really do everybody can do wrong but i really feel like he's got a pretty perfect batting average honestly yeah. even um, when he's off target it's still an enjoyable experience yeah certainly better than a lot of movies that end up getting made so mm-hmm. uh, that and we by the way i always i'm like we should start another podcast of like movies that could have been i think there are a few of these but like i will forever be heartbroken to not see an edgar wright ant-man like that's yeah. something that, like to this day, it would just, be a, just hurts my soul. Rewatching this movie in particular, uh, I had just watched Scott Pilgrim mm-hmm. bef- uh, the week before, and then rewatching World's End. Yeah, yeah, I really wanted that style of fight scenes and and just pathos. I mean, Ant Man would have been the most relatable. When you say pathos, you're talking about one of the Three Musketeers, right? It's I am. Aramis. I am. Uh, Pathos and uh, D'Artagnan. <laughs> yeah, D'Artagnan's the fourth musketeer. Oh, if you count them, that's I don't a know how to count. And, well, yeah, whatever. Uh, I'm not a math major. This this goes in. That's a whole joke. That's one of those running gags in uh, in World's End. That's great. Simon Pegg is like, we're the five musketeers, and they're like, there's only three musketeers, and then D'Artagnan. If you count D'Artagnan, is if you count four. That's great. Because it's, like, it's true, he is. He really it's great. Is. So let's go. Let's do some drive-in totals. What what is um what does the world's end have that works really well? Yeah, how many robot boobies screens? does this movie have? It's got no robot boobies. Ah! It's got no sex. Ah! It's got real relationships. Ah! It's got missed opportunities. Ah! False romances, missed romances. It's got great, great fucking fight scenes. Okay. It's, great fight scenes. It's got... And a whole lot of... Uh. <laughs> it's got a lot of comedy. It's okay. it's uh, jokes jokes per minute. Really, really, really smart, really fast dialogue. Um, it brings you into a world that is established... 20 years before the movie takes place and it feels like that uh, that's I think that's really what movie my favorite movies end up doing is just like having a world that feels having lived a world in that world lived, lived in and then boom here's the, here's yeah. where the movie starts yeah and we're just picking oh, up look, and there's Chewbacca them. shit stain on the floor <laughs> yeah so that's uh, yeah I mean this movie really has I think everything any anything for everybody. I mean, I watched it with my girlfriend recently, and she's uh, very different tastes than I am, and she really enjoyed it. Well, I should hope so. What does she like? She likes more dramatic films, things that uh, spotlight. She likes more uh, actor based movies. Okay. I would say uh, I am not that person. I want to. I want the auteur. I want the person who's going to tell me the story sure. to tell me the story. Sure. And uh, Edgar Wright is that to a T. He is. There are very few people that I think can claim. I'm not a big fan of the word auteur, and I'm not a big fan of auteur theory. 
Um, I think that it kind of got everybody in a little bit of trouble uh, at a certain period in filmmaking, and now it's completely pointless. However, I think that... From the visionary director. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so the world's end um, from our guest, Jamie. Ha ha, I like that movie. What the hell? Has she been listening the whole time? I told you, Brandon, she's fully automated. Hey, look, don't say mate around her, okay? I'm hoping she'll forget about what she said with regards to procreating with me. How could I forget? True love is immediate and eternal. After I impregnate your colon with my nanosperm, a new breed of cybernetic organism will gestate deep in your bowels, eventually exploding your anus and setting loose into the new world. A world that I have created. A beautiful world adorned with the corpses of those who gave me life. Holy shit. She must really like you. Would you like me to dim the lights to hide the look of humiliation plastered over your pink, soft face? Yes, please. So, um, there was a time where I lived in, uh, Orlando, Florida. Orlando! You might know Orlando as the place, uh, where Jaws 3D took place. You're talking about some damn sharks, brother? Duh, my cousin was the DP on that movie. Fuck! Why the fuck? What we had this guy here for, not (laughs) the DP of Jaws 3? No, I meant double penetration. Oh, right, we were talking about something, again. Google it. So when I lived in Orlando, um, it was during my, you know, very early 20s. Actually, I I dropped out of college, moved to Orlando. Long story short. Too late! So when I lived in Orlando, I got a job at the mall. And I was working at <laughs> which mall? <laughs> Altamont mall? Springs Altamont Mall. Altamont Springs Mall. Okay. okay. So as so I'm there. I'm working. One night I I was off, uh, and my roommate and I we were both off work. Uh, but I think I was dating somebody who worked there as well. Uh, and I think we were going to go pick her up or meet her or something like that. So my roommate and I, my roommate Louisa and I, um, rode our bikes. We lived directly across from the mall. So we rode our bikes over, and the mall had just closed, and we knew kind of the process and all of that. And what we did was we had our bicycles, and we went into the mall, and it was a completely empty mall, and we got to we rode our bikes around the mall. Like George Romero style? Yes. And it was such a crazy, fun experience, because there was nobody there. We were just, like, riding our bikes with, like, reckless abandon. We weren't being hooligans. We weren't, like, destroying shit, but we're, like, riding our bikes. We're like, woo, yeah, having a great time. And eventually we got caught. The security guard was very upset with us, pulled us out. Was there a shark there, too? No, but the bass player of Flock of Seagulls worked at Banana Republic. Anyway, my point is, is I got to spend this time in the mall, and it was fucking awesome. Just doing crazy shit. Not even crazy. Riding a bike around in the mall, doing things that you're not really supposed to do. So the highlight of your life was living in Orlando and riding a bicycle through a mall. Yes. Okay. You smug prick. That's exactly it. I understand. I'm not not judging. I'm just judging. That's all. I worked at a movie theater for a little bit of time, and we had a Nerf war. Yeah. In the movie theater. And we would also, like, hook up the Xbox to the big projection. That's awesome. I love it. There's Play just something games. about the, yeah. the, the quote-unquote forbidden things that you're supposed to do. And maybe it had a lot to do with Dawn of the Dead and, and whatnot. But, like, the idea of being free in a mall that people have a sense of decorum around is very, like, exciting to me. 
I think that has something to do with the reason why I picked my choice for the Killer Killbots double feature, which is, of course, Chopping Mall. They broke into the mall for the wildest all-night party of their lives. It dead meat. But you're never alone in the Chopping Mall. Shopping costs you an arm and a leg. Nineteen eighty-six from director Jim Wynorski, who Return of Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. like Deathstalker Two, mm-hmm. uh, Ghoulies Four, mm-hmm. um, so many movies. Actually, he transitioned into uh, softcore porn and also family movies about dogs. Um, and he's still working to this day. Uh, congratulations, Jim Wynorski. So, softcore family movies about dog porn? Yes, exactly. Is... You named it. He right did on. Air Boner 3. Um, anyway, Chopping Mall. Uh, so, Jim Wynorski wrote uh, along with Steve Mitchell and directed the film. Uh, and it stars... Was Ke- this a new world? Concord. Concord, of course. Yeah. So, it is a Roger Corman production. However, the movie was overseen by Roger's wife, Julie. So it was really her bag. And they sold the movie, pre-sold the movie to Vestron um, with just uh, just an outline. They didn't even have a script. The movie stars Kelly Maroney from uh, Night of the Comet. Mm-hmm. Tony O'Dell from, I don't know. Russell Todd from, I don't know. Carrie Emerson, who, I don't know, I've got a crush on her. Uh, Carrie Emerson was also in another movie called Evils of the Night, which is fucking borderline unwatchable with Aldo Ray, I feel yeah, like. And, Aldo Ray. And yeah. someone else. Anyway... But she's smoking hot. And then, uh, of course, Barbara Crampton. Mm-hmm. And there's a bunch of other people that cameo in the film. Paul Bartel and Mary Waranoff playing their characters from Eating Raul. Who's the the guy, the the dude that owns the pizza place where Kelly... Mel Wells works? from yeah, Little Shop of yeah, Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors. I was going to say, yeah, Mr. Mushnick. That's right. So, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So let me... I'm going to go ahead and... Gravis Mushnick. I'm going to read the IMDB synopsis. <clears throat> A group of young... (laughs) That's funny. It's very unclear how old they are, and they're very clearly in their 30s, but okay. A group of young shopping mall employees stay behind for a late-night party in one of the stores. When the mall goes on lockdown, before they can get out, the robot security system malfunctions and goes on a killing spree. Um, I have to say that they kind of just throw in the robot thing last minute in that synopsis, and it's really the first thing that we see in the film. Well, yeah, they're all plugged into the wall. Well, no, they're doing the whole demo in the mall. It's a commercial. The very beginning and of the movie is a commercial and, for yes, the robots. Now, I'm smart. going to say this. The movie was originally entitled Killbots, and they released the movie as Killbots, and it made no money. So Roger Corman was like, call it Chopping Mall! And it was actually a janitor who came up with the title. Call it Chopping Mall! And they released it, and it did significantly better under that title. But it's a total... I mean, I'm just i thinking back to the days of walking through a video store 
you know, VHS boxes, cover boxes everywhere. And it's this dismembered, like rotten, almost like a zombie hand. Robot zombie. Yeah. It's a robot zombie arm. Holding a shopping bag with remains. Drippings with goo. Exactly. Drippings with goo. (laughs) (laughs) Why am I drippings with goo? Yeah, it's a it's a very striking image for the poster art or the 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 VHS art, but it has nothing to do with the fucking movie. Like, it's interesting that the movie's name changes because there is no chopping, not in at the movie. all, and it's actually really kind of frustrating. And I feel like going into the movie knowing that it's called Chopping Mall, like going into the movie with that title, you're going to be disappointed. However, if you watch the movie and pretend that when it smash cuts to the title screen that it says kill bots instead the movie becomes instantly enjoyable because it really delivers well shit yeah dude it's got like basically the second best exploding head it's up there it's got one of the best exploding heads it's and it's a really funny exploding it head. came out of no oh, oh, like, dude, i was great. not expecting that it's pretty great isn't all. it all it was so great yeah uh well what let's go ahead and read do, um do you want to go ahead and do it, Jamie? Why don't you read this review, uh, the worst review on IMDb? I will try. This is from AOMail278. Look out! It's R2-D2's retarded cousin. Very clever. That is a uh, title if I've ever heard one. Because R2-D2 is a robot, and the oh, robots right. in this movie are robots. So I get it. Oh, they're okay. okay. Do we call them robot Americans, though? Yes. This <clears throat> film... Is the M U or is that an, or is that in the thing? It's actually in the thing. Oh, it's, it's written there. Huh. It's written. Oh, okay, so there are smarty a pants. Hem. There are real smarty, smarty pants. pants. Okay. Onomatopoe is cool. I decided to... Uh, you gave it the... To act it out. Okay, yeah. thank you, thank you. This Remember, <clears throat> artist, actor, ass. Pick one! Never. This <clears throat> film is just awful. So, okay, you're expected to suspend all common sense and grasp on reality. But this is just ridiculous. Horny teens decide to break into a shopping mall and, well, get their groove on. This is an in quotes. quotes. That's never said in the movie, by the way. Get their groove on. Okay, so this is their chosen phrasing. All right. Yes. (laughs) Why do these movies always include the horny teens with nowhere better to go? I mean... A shopping mall? I can just imagine... <laughs> I can just imagine it now. Hey, baby, let's go have sex in a shopping mall. I'm too cheap to get a motel room. I'm too ashamed to bring you around my house. And your place sucks because your dad's a drunk. What? And your mom's a chain smoker. Will give me cancer. Wait, what? Oh, a... And your mom's chain smoking will give me cancer. That's all in quotations, too. He just made this up? Yes. That has nothing to do with... Okay. That's all made up as well. Jesus. Very specific. I think there's a lot of projection going on. That's a very specific thing. It is. It is. There's also the impulsive involved with... uh, Implausible. Let me read correctly. Yeah, look, it's not a proper sentence, so (laughs) it's very understandable. Also, there's the implausible involved with... The robot attacks? That's okay. not. That's a bad sentence. No, great sentence. Uh, these are just boxes mounted on traction. <laughs> okay. A paraplegic 
has more agility than these things. How do you know? Oh, this is horrible. I... (laughs) I've been more fearful of Stephen Hawking stalking me. Jesus Christ! Why people continually look behind them to check the progress of their pursuer, and why the trip over the slightest thing, then instead of bouncing back up and fleeing, just sit there with <laughs> hands to face, okay. screaming while the attack advances is beyond me. Period. It's tired, it's cliche. And this film just plain sucks. Okay, well, uh... I'd like to say that my reading capability is better... Well, we never told you that it was a cold read involved in this That's very true, this but film. also, it doesn't uh, make a true. difference. The writing of that is review is it was, insane. That it's was three sentences. So, AOMAL 278, why don't you just fucking smoke a doobie, bro? I love how people tend to, you know... I mean, we, I guess we can only go through and look at media through the lens of our own experience but you know if more human beings were able to go through and try to walk in another generation's shoes as a man yeah, right as a man who didn't grow up in the 80s <laughs> uh that's complete rubbish this is complete rubbish thank oh, you jamie nonsense. for being a cultured person it's nonsense it's here, silly here. look it's somebody who clearly doesn't like to have any fun i don't understand why would you how wh- robots killing people what kind of movie is this? And are you kidding me? People make out and have sex in movie theaters. It makes... <laughs> oh, we get to go and have sex in a department store? I once with got a- busy in a Burger King bathroom. I'm crazy. Allow me to amaze thee. They say I'm ugly, but it just don't faze me. I'm still getting in the girls' dance, and I even got my own dance. <laughs> <laughs> Things that I really love about this movie. First of all, it's fucking 74 minutes long. Uh... Agreed. Okay. The second I saw the movie and I was like, oh, it's 74 minutes? Down. I was and, and I'm like, that, it's like a big reason why I love like those old, uh, you know, universal horror films is like they're fucking 68 minutes long, you know? And I'm like, perfect. I'll watch four of them tonight. <laughs> and it's the equi- equivalent of watching like in, you know, Midsummer. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so there's, it's got that going for it, which is great. Um, but the, the, People that are in the film, the actors in the movie, are actually genuinely interesting to watch. They're all of their they're all good actors, and all of their performances are fine. Like they're good. Kelly Emerson is um, great at being like this nervous energy and shaking. Kelly Maroney is very much like an '80s Valley girl. Um, Except she does not wear a cheerleader outfit in this movie. She does not. She does not. But she's essentially playing the same the role, same role yeah. that she plays in Night of the Comet. She's like the only person that can really handle herself in any of these situations. And all of the dudes are actually pretty funny. There's the one guy, I didn't name him in here. Uh, I want to say his last name is like Terleski. But he plays, like, he's the first dude to get killed. He gets his throat cut. The guy with the, the chewing gum? Yes. Yeah. He's in uh, a movie called Night of the Demons 2, which is also one of my very favorite movies. Like, a very underrated movie. His girlfriend is the one that has the head explode. So, it, like, the before the killbot shit starts really getting into effect, the quote-unquote drama, to me, is totally watchable. There's, like, interactions with Mel Wells, the relationships with all of the people. It's very clear that these people filmed a movie in a mall at closing hours, and we're all bonding during the, the experience and having a great time. It's, it is what I love. It is exactly what I was trying to say about World's End. It, 
starts with a movie that's been happening with lives and yeah. character lives that have happened yeah. for months and then cut to now the movie starts characters show up in the first eight minutes of the movie that leave when the mall closes yeah right they're gone they're gone and then there's something about it like look it's not a great movie but there's something there's one scene in particular when i was watching it again last night i've seen this movie like a hundred times but i was watching it again last night and the scene where there's a, a character gets burned to death in front of everybody they, they specifically cut to a reaction of kelly maroney like they're watching it happen and her reaction is like she does this thing where she like looks hor- and like looks away and then looks back, and it gives it this, like, tragedy that I, like, last night when I was watching, I was like, Jesus, could you imagine watching your fucking best friend burn to death in front of you and, like, be completely helpless? So there's something kind of, um, it's, it's worth watching just for the performances of these kind of actors that you recognize alone. Just seeing them. They're, they're having fun. They're committed. I don't really feel like anybody's phoning in a performance. And I can't say that about a lot of quickie films like Chopping Mall ended up being. What else? What else? What the fuck else can I say about Chopping Mall? Dick Miller, dude. Come on! So Dick Miller has a cameo in the movie. As? As Walter Paisley, um, who, you know, I guess is really just an in-joke for any film nerd. Uh, Walter Paisley is the character that he plays uh, in A Bucket of Blood. blood, um, People say is, you know, his best role. And he's also in uh, The Howling as well. Yeah. Yeah. Is he Walter Paisley in The Howling? But yeah, he plays the guy that cleans the place, the mall up late at night, gets electrocuted. For all the robots, there's not a single moment where they chop. And it is very frustrating that there's no chopping happening in the movie. I would have loved it with that title if they had like a robot arm with an axe on it that chops somebody up or something. This movie screams to me, remake. I would love to see a remake of Chopping Mall. They announced one in 2010. Oh, really? And it has never happened. But the movie Chopping Mall from 1986, or Killbots, was shot at the Sherman Oaks Galleria. So when I lived in L.A. How many movies is that? I mean, it's like... Fast Times at Regiment High, Commando. I was going to say, Commando, that whole scene with the the swinging on top of the elevator and everything. So many movies were shot at the Galleria. Um, When I lived in L.A., I lived in Sherman Oaks, and that was the mall that we went to, and that's where we saw our movies at that that theater there. Right, I think. There's a Target right next to it. Anyway, and it's kind of wild to go into that mall and go like, holy fuck, chopping mall. (laughs) Like, it's fucking chopping mall. They don't have a paint store, though, like Mm. in the movie. Do they have a sporting goods store? Where they sell... Well, that's the thing. It's 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 like you know when you watch it now, you're like it's so weird because when you think of malls now, they're so like boutique. It's basically all the same kind of shit. It's mm-hmm. like you just do you want this kind of gift or do you want this kind of gift or this kind of t-shirt or this kind of t-shirt, and then like the department stores are like clothes centric now, and then there's like what's a department store? Kind of like weird niche, but there's no Walmart's basically taking care of malls, right? So the like, mystique. Of old malls. I mean, it's it's is missing. I, it's right? totally missing these days. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's no Monroeville. I'll tell you that. <laughs> no Monroeville. But Gallery is pretty memorable in another regard because Monroeville was mall, it in Interspace too. Yes. Oh, yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the mall where Martin Short gets injected in the ass. Yeah. Um, you see it. All it's been time. in everything, man. It's it, like when you go there, you look at it, you're like, holy shit. 
you just you, you know everything. But what's crazy is like there is no paint store. There's probably like there's no gun store. Walmart has taken care of that. They've got it all. Yeah. You can get it all at Walmart. You don't need to go to the mall anymore. We don't need to hang out. Uh, people don't hang out with each other. They just spend their time online. So you know, malls right. are fucking pointless. And write bad reviews. That's right. That's to exactly movies right. that they don't seem to understand. It's probably written while he was sitting at the mall. Some of the drive into some of the things that this movie's got. Look, it's got a scene where a woman is running away from a robot and she gets blasted in the ass cheeks by lasers, and her, it's like shooting her like panty wearing ass over and over. It's very funny. <laughs> it's got an exploding head. It doesn't have Bud the Chud too. Garrett Graham has a scene in the movie as uh, one of the security guards, it's like for programming the programming, and it's excellent. It's like it's. Watching it again last night, I was like, fucking Garrett Graham. His comedic timing, his physical presence is spot on. If there were going to be a remake of the movie, I would want to do a almost beat-for-beat beat remake of that scene with Garrett Graham trying to read a magazine or whatever. It's like a Playboy or is something. Is he like yeah. a porno? He I does. can't remember. And he pulls it around, and it's the it's the centerfold, and it comes all the way out. That's and right. Holy naked woman. That's right. Yeah. And he keeps like looking back. Like doing these like mini double takes back behind him, he's he's just Gary Graham is so funny. Um, it's got Barbara Crampton, Barbara Crampton, and Barbara Crampton. Uh, yeah. It's got Killer Johnny Fives. It's got these sweet indoor explosions. <laughs> you know, they're shooting at the Galleria Mall, and they were like, "Well, look, we cannot actually blow shit up, so we just lit a bunch of like flares and fireworks." All of the explosions that happen in the movie have these, like, sparks that come out after them, which is just, like, they just set off fireworks inside the mall, which, again, everybody sitting at this table has wanted to do that in their lives. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that really, that's that's on my bucket list. So, uh, that's actually in here. Setting setting fireworks off in a real real mall is something to do. Um, it's got a gratuitous synth score. I love it. Mm. I absolutely. By Chuck Cimino. <laughs> I actually have it on vinyl. <laughs> um, and, you know, it is it is a good score. And if, with the, Chopping Mall is the title, it's not. But Killbots, it's it's a fucking, it's a great score for a movie called Killbots. I'd argue that it's a good movie. It's, the, the name Chopping Mall is a good name. It's a great name. It's just kind of like, it really throws the the movie's potential away. I, Cause I, again, I remember the first time I saw the movie, I didn't know it was about robots. Just like, I think a lot of people who yeah. didn't have the internet <laughs> growing up watching movies. And I was like, wait, what the fuck? What the fuck? And it just didn't work for me at all. As I've gotten older and seen it, it's gotten a little bit better. That said, it does have, despite being 74 minutes long, it's got some pacing issues. Like there's a, where the action is kind of nonstop, it gets a little repetitive. Um, well, most of the shit in the furniture store is pretty boring too. Well, it's got this great scene in the furniture store where everybody's having sex, and ah, it's it's all done in so one good. take, and it's actually great. I mean, oh, it's, it's, they're coming down the aisle and, stuff no, no, like that, and then they go to the TV with the two. Or where, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, everybody's in their own like beds, but it's like, and it's it's so cinematic because it it's clear that like this has no. Uh, practicality whatsoever. Like, if there were four couples in this, like, vicinity doing this, it would be considered an orgy. Pop right. quiz, what movie are they watching? Uh, Attack of the Crab Monsters. A Roger Corman classic. 
Um, and I love that they're both terrified by it. Mm-hmm. I like that guy, by the way. That's that's uh, Tony O'Dell yeah. uh, as the the nerdy guy, the who blind is, date. Yeah, who's <laughs> right. actually really good. He's he's really good in the movie. He becomes the hero, and uh, I, I I just like it. Uh, I like him a lot. You like these kind of nebbish dudes, man. Between, you know, when we were doing the Killer Bugs episode and uh, your love for the character in... in oh, yeah, the in dude from Squirm. Squirm. I mean, yeah. The, well, well, I think it's because... Um, you're, you're a dweeb? Um, because I'm a big fucking nerd <laughs> that I can relate. <laughs> um, okay, so the Sin score is really fun. And then, of course, it's got Dick Miller. And there's nothing better to see on a driving screen the than Dick goddamn Miller. Dick Miller. I have... Two thoughts on this movie. Okay. First thought. Why don't they just give the girl whose dad's a Marine the gun, right? Uh, I can't remember. Well, there's, a, yeah, cause there's that great scene where they're all great firing scene the guns. Where they're all firing the gun, and she takes the... the uh, it's just like, it's a, it's a Desert Eagle or yeah, something. Yeah. It's like a Desert Eagle. And she fires... And one the, shot blows one up. One shot blows it up. Why doesn't she hold the gun the whole time? They're, they Look, here's the thing. There's a lot of uh, strategy in the movie that's discussed and not followed through. And there's and it actually is built into the plot because they're like, all the girls just, you gotta escape. Yeah. Right? Just escape. And uh, us dudes are gonna take care of this. And one of the women freaks out, can't handle it, needs to get out, and ends up with the blown up head. Dying. No, 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 no. Not with the blown up she, head. She dies. She ends up getting. She dies by fire. Yeah. Oh, burned okay. to death in front of everybody. Horrifically. And later on, after they're recovering, her boyfriend, her boyfriend is like, why didn't you listen to me like I said? And he has this great scene. It's like a great, great. scene where he's like, I told you to let, don't let her fucking leave. And you did it. And now she's dead. And it's it's just like a it's a good little moment. So it's like they they discuss strategy yeah. and they don't do it. But my other link to your movie uh, to hardware was the women are set up to kind of be like the same thing. They're like, oh, we're gonna escape, but then they're like, fuck it, and they go and they kind of do their own thing and and fight as well. They die, but everybody pretty much dies except for two people. But it is again a woman that saves the day. Which I'm a, I'm always a big fan so of. So we can that. say the final girl or what? <laughs> yeah, I guess you could say a final girl. I really I'm not a fan of that phrase, and I'm not a fan of the concept of like the sex and death thing. So, I, but like, it is kind of there. Like clearly, the people that have sex all die, and then the two that don't don't. So yeah. it's kind of well. It's not like she's not going to fuck him. It's just she gets to get to know him a little bit. That's better, true, right? and she yeah. probably totally will. Um, She's like, I'm By the way, tired. speaking of that, Jim Wynorski claims that every actress that has ever been in his films he has slept with. That is a Jim Wynorski claim. How about that? How about them apples? How do you feel about that when you watch Barbara <laughs> Crampton running around on set like that? Bullshit. So there, there, there are three similar movies, and yet there are three also very disparate films, which is going to make this choice not the easiest choice Probably one of the hardest choices we've ever had to do on the show. But before we get into that, I want to take a minute and have uh, a quick word from our uh, other sponsor here. Does your girlfriend smell like pepperoni and you just don't know how to tell her you love it? Is your best bud a real candidate for prickhood, but you fear saying so would jeopardize your friendship? Are there killer robots shooting lasers at ass cheeks inside a lockdown mall and frankly you're just sick of it? Then it's time to send those fuckers a Rambogram! That's right! 
hand-delivered ass-kicking in the style of John Rambo is what we're talking about here. Don't understand? Well, let me explain it, you bunch of stupid assholes. Lightning strikes a handful of weaponized robots. They're after you and your friends. You don't know what to do. Ding dong goes the bell, and it's a fucking Rambogram. Suddenly, you're powered up with rapid-fire machine guns and propane tanks, and now all you have to do is rig those tanks on an elevator, shoot those guns at those tanks, and send those fuckers a fucking Rambogram! Feel the cold spatter of robot blood on your pleated dockers with Rambogram. Rambogram! We have one more... little bit of business to get into before uh, we pick the two films for our drive-in double feature, Killbots. This is a little game. This is a little game I put together called No Disassemble! (laughs) Um, I'm going to give you the names of a couple of different robots here. They all have acronyms. Can I ask you one question? Yes, you may. Fisher Stevens. Offensive or not offensive? Love that Fisher Stevens Academy Award winner, Fisher Stevens for a documentary right? for The Cove. Yeah, yeah, and also he was uh, in Super Mario Brothers the movie and The Burning, and My Science Project. That's right, he was in My Science Project too. All right, so in this game, no disassemble. I'm going to give you the names of several um, different robots that all have acronyms. They're all acronyms, mm-hmm. and I'm going to also read to you two acronyms that it does not stand for and one that it definitely does stand for and it's up to you guys to guess um whoever wins gets one million dollars okay very generous right i could use thank you yeah sure i guess so here we go our first robot is bob does bob stand for biosanitation battalion does it stand for big old bitch tits or does it stand for battle-oriented biomedic Chris. Battle-oriented biomedic. Okay. I'm going to say the same thing. Bio, bi- battle-oriented biomedic. Bob actually stands for Biosanitation Battalion. Well, there we go. That's Bob from the Black Hole. CHOMPS! The acronym is CHOMPS. Does it stand for Cannibalistic Humanoid of Monstrous Proportional Size? Oh, I hope. Does it stand for Canine Home Protection System? Or does it stand for, can Henry's ogreish mom please stop? I'm going to go with B on that Canine one. Home Protection System, okay. Yeah, I will agree with him on that The one. correct answer is Canine Home Protection System. Congratulations. You are both closer to one million In which movie was that? Dollars. That is the film Chomps. <laughs> oh, Chomps is Chomps. Okay. <laughs> Fantastic. Um, okay, here we go. Uh, the acronym is D-A-R-Y-L. That spells <laughs> Daryl. Does Daryl stand for Dynamic Artificial Robotronic Young Lad? Does it stand for Data Analyzing Robot Youth Life Form? Or does it stand for Dad Ass? Really, y'all looking? (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to go with A. Dynamic Artificial Robotronic Young Lad. Yeah. Data Analyzing Robot Youth Life Form, man. Little Barrett Oliver. The correct answer is Data Analyzing Robot Youth Life Form that is from the film Daryl. Yes, Young Barrett Oliver, star of Flight of the Navigator himself? Wait, no, no. that was uh, David Mendenhall. Oh, star of... Um, uh, Cocoon. And what? And Never Ending Story. Never Ending Story. Cocoon. 
Yeah. You don't think of of him when you think of He Cocoon? was Wilford Brimley's... He was Wilford Brimley's mustache. <laughs> yeah, he was yeah, he, <laughs> That little schwoby kind of like, you know, bowl cut. Yeah, he, he was just underneath Wilford Brimley's nose the entire... The kid movie. who... The kid who reads the Neverland story? Yes. Yeah. yes. Not Bastion. the cool tattoo yes. artist that is fucking Atreyu. Atreyu. Who's like a cool hipster... Well, yeah, but have you seen Barrett Oliver lately? No. With his dreadlocks? He's a, he's a photographer. Oh, cool. Good for him. He's all, like, dreaded out and everything. Is he a stud? Chris <laughs> Chris made the face that looks like this. But, it looks exactly like this. Look. Look. Guys, look. Okay. Here we go. S-A-I-N-T. Saint. Does Saint stand for... Santa ain't interested in no bullshit. Does it stand for servo articulated? By the way, bullshit is the T. The T is at the end. Okay, I figured that servo articulated industrial neural tank, or strategic artificially intelligent nuclear transport. Well, I'll start with Chris. Strategic artificially intelligent nuclear transport. Okay, I was going to go with. That You're going to go well. with that as well. Yeah. The correct an- the correct answer is Santa ain't interested in no bullshit. I'm just kidding. You both are right. That is from the film Short Circuit. Okay, R-O-T-O-R, Rotor. Does that stand for Robotic Officer of the Tactical Operations Research Reserve Unit? Does it stand for Rocket Transforming Order Regenerator? Or does it stand for Rebellious Order that Organizes Rebellions? I'll start, with, I'll start with you, Jamie. I'm going to go with A on that one. A, Robotic Officer of the Tactical Operations Research Reserve Unit. I'll agree with that. The correct answer is A. You guys got it right. These aren't fooling you smart boys at all. No. no Last one. Boys. This is Herbie. Dun, 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 Does Herbie stand for Humanoid Experimental Robot B-Type Integrated Electronics? Does it stand for Hyperspace Energized Regeneration Barrel Ionic Emission? Or does it stand for, hold up, everybody realizes bitches is crazy. <laughs> crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so clever. What do you guys think? Uh, I'll start with you, Chris. Uh, I say B. Hyperspace Energized Regeneration Barrel Ionic Emission. Jamie? I'm going to go with A. Humanoid experimental robot B-type integrated electronics. Herbie is from the 1978 Fantastic Four animated series. He's the robot that had to replace Human Torch. Human Torch because the Human Torch, uh, they didn't want kids to light themselves on fire. H.R. <laughs> <laughs> Mainway! Johnny, so Human Torch, it's a bunch of oily rags and a lighter. So they, <laughs> they replaced him with... A Herbie. robot. Yeah, that's right. Uh, a, a lovably hated robot. Yeah, a Herbie. humanoid experimental yeah. robot B-type integrated electronics. Congratulations, Jamie Jones has won one million dollars, and you have to pay the taxes on it. That's. I mean, that's fine. Okay, it's what 100%. is it? It's no, 100. it's one hundred four percent. That actually. sounds about right. Anyway, so, so you, you actually owe, me, owe us you money. owe me forty thousand dollars. <laughs> okay, so um, great. Okay, so congratulations and fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, let's get down to our the real order of business here. We've got an angry mob who is just ready for a double feature of Killbots. Fire bad. What is it going to be? We've got three movies. <laughs> there can only be two. There can only be two. So why don't we start with our um, illustrious illustrative guest, Jamie, and go with the two films that you feel would make the perfect Killbot double feature. All right. 
I've been thinking a lot about this. Okay. I think it starts with Chopping Mall. Okay. And ends with The World's End. Okay. Partly because uh, we have similar themes throughout. We have uh, kids who are living their lives, and then there's a robot that comes through, changes their lives drastically, and they move on. And then in The World's End, we also have a similar thing, but in their 40s. They are kids, they come back to the world, robots change their lives, and they move on. I also think Chopping Mall is a movie that you need to watch first, primarily because it's a little slower, and by the time you're drunk, you can <laughs> watch World's End and get it for what it's worth. Okay. Uh, and, I mean, if there, theoretically, if we were going to do a third movie, it would lead into Chris's movie because it is post-apocalyptic wow, at the end of it. Shit, it's an excellent dude. rationale you have there, Jamie. Complete Wait, and utter even... bullshit, but an excellent <laughs> rationale. Are you an artist or are you a writer? I'm. I, you know what? I'm both. Pick one! <laughs> <laughs> I think he's an asshole. <laughs> All right, Chris, what do you think, man? I think that uh, seeing how this is, you know, this here drive-in and everything like that, I'm going to have to say that we should probably go with Chopping Mall and Hardware, simply because of the sleaze factor. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm going to double down on the sleaze factor. Um, the wholesome goodness that is the world's end has no place in, in Dead City Drive-In. <laughs> We've got boobies and exploding heads and Dick Miller, mm-hmm. Richard Stanley, post-apocalyptic, low-budget boobies, gratuitous, gratuitous and Billy Hoots, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who is such a sleazy motherfucker in this movie. And uh, frankly, you would feel like you need to have a shower after watching it. That's the drive-in I want to go to. <laughs> in defense of World's End, Martin Freeman gives a performance with half a head for most of the movie. (laughs) Okay. Here's the deal. Both of you have made completely solid and valid points. Um, This is tricky, but I'm going to stick to my guns of what I figured initially here. I feel like Chopping Mall is... Now, not to discredit, Jamie, your point, because you, you made complete logical sense, and I actually really, and an aesthetic sense that I really appreciate. However, my initial thought was well, first of all, for me personally, I've never seen hardware, and I haven't seen The World's End in a very long time. I feel like those two movies are a separate class of movie. Ugh, I don't like to say class, but a separate type of. Fuck it. Class of movie from Chopping Mall. I feel like Chopping Mall is pure drive-in. I really do. And I feel like, well, without having seen Hardware, just what I know about it, and the and having seen The World's End the first time, I wouldn't pick either of those movies for a drive-in double feature. Just because they... Just because. Like, World's End is a little too mainstream, maybe, and, and Hardware's a little too indie, low-budget, silly, weirdy, I don't know. But Chopping Mall, I feel like, does not fit with the two of them either. So my choice, which is kind of crazy, is I would go with, I would say, come for the world's end, stay for hardware. Hmm. Um, Interesting. And I would eliminate Chopping Mall from, from the thing. I just don't feel like it's a, it's a prime double feature. So what does that mean? Does that mean 
we literally are at a draw because that's two votes f- for World's End. Oh, wait, no, two votes for Chopping Mall. And then two votes for Hardware. Yeah. 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 So what the fuck are we supposed to do? How are we going to pick this? Well, I mean, the clear thing is we just do three movies. And it, but we we just can't. And it goes... The uh, the Dark Overlords... They won't allow, won't allow it, allow it. They don't they like won't it. Allow it. They, won't. they get very pissed off. And I don't want the stupid robot to pick for us because what the fuck does she know? She's listening. I don't know. that This is actually unprecedented. What do we do in this situation? What are we supposed to do? Do we Rochambeau for it? <laughs> no, I think I think we go to the Thunderdome for this one. We have to fight it out. Yeah, basically, yeah. Two movies enter and one movie leaves. Okay, so the two movies that go head to head are what? Well, I'm not smart enough to figure that shit out. All right, I just said go to Thunderdome. I don't even know what that means. Hey, bust a deal, <laughs> face the wheel. We had a deal, and the law says, bust a deal. Face the wheel. Oh my god, what are we, guys, seriously, what, how do we pick what the two (laughs) movies are? This is crazy. Hmm. If we're at a total draw, what do we do in this situation? Seriously unprecedented. Yeah, I I thought your wife worked the math out for us. She did, and honestly, we probably just fucked it up somewhere along the line. Holy shit. I'm not gonna question her. Yeah, I don't blame you. Should we just call her and say, hey honey, which one of these movies should we pick? Alright, we gotta do it. We gotta do it. We gotta do it. It has to be done. Alright. Alright, here we go. Hey, are you on your way home? No, honey. We're actually in the middle of a podcast right now. And, What's uh, up, baby? We're needing some help from you right now. Oh, my God. Yes. Because we have come up with a perfect three-way tie on the on the movie choices here. And seeing how you were the one that helped us develop the uh, the... the the uh, algorithm, yeah, the yeah. algorithm in order oh. to figure out how this how how do we fix this, honey? How do we fix this? <laughs> uh, rock paper scissors. Oh, okay. All Brandon right. was right. We're gonna have to go Rochambeau on this. Rochambeau. Okay. Me and Brandy have very similar uh, thought processes. Yeah, Rochambeau that shit. Okay. All right. I would have hoped. This is from the mathematical expert who is my wife. I would have hoped I would have had a better fare as we share a yeah. name. <laughs> it's not spelled the same. It's not. The I is flipped. Okay. All right. Good luck. Thank you for your uh, your guidance. We appreciate Anytime, it. Anytime, pals. Anytime. All right. Don't hurt yourselves. All Goodbye. Right. Goodbye. All right. So how do we? How do you? What do you Rochambeau three people? How does do that I have work? to call her back now? And how do we Rochambeau? <laughs> the, the more I'm thinking about this, the more it seems like what you say about. Chopping Mall not being in the same in the same in the same vein. How about that vein? Vein, yeah. As sick man, and it kind of makes sense. Like, come for the more mainstream, sure, and stay for the more esoteric. Yeah. Uh, After you're after you're drunk, but see, it's the opposite of what you said, but it's still in line with what you said because after maybe you've imbibed a little bit and you're into. Your mind is open to a little bit more. Maybe you play the drinking game along with the world's end, the and then by the time trip. hardware starts, you're starting to kind of trip balls a little you're bit. Ready. You're well, like, remember right. because I mean, hardware—you know—once you get injected with that shit, you start to hallucinate. It also picks up, like the world ends, and then you have hardware, oh, which shit. is 
Okay. All right. Look, I think we. I, I think we need. We can skip the Rochambeau. Yeah, I think. And that, I think yeah. we figured it out. Yeah. I think it's got to be. Come for the world's end. Stay for hardware. Chopping mall. We hardly knew you. So now let me ask this question. Yeah. Since we've all kind of put these movies out here, I think we need to kind of revisit the idea too of the vault. Well, I don't know what that goes in the vault. Well, I think what goes in the vault is world's end and hardware. Yeah. And Chopping Mall would still be up for grabs. I think Chopping Mall still up so for grabs. So for those of you grabs. that have not actually listened to this podcast before, uh, and actually for your benefit, Jamie, we have a thing called The Vault. So anytime that we have a show where we decide on a double feature, those films that are picked for a double feature immediately are sealed away in The Vault, which means that in any future episodes of Dead City Drive-In, those movies are out of contention or consideration for any of the other themes that we have. You know, you have a little bit of crossover mm. in, in some of these films and everything where, for instance, you know, we've done killer robots here. Say let's have a post-apocalyptic theme, okay? Hardware is something that would probably play as a post-apocalyptic movie right. in addition to being a killer robot movie. But we can't even consider that. Why? Because it's already been it's chosen been chosen as a killer robot. screened and locked in the vault and nobody likes um, a double feature of the same fucking film that they just saw. Exactly. So... Those two movies now officially go in the vault. We can tell the drive-in gods our official decision. It is Killbot's double feature, the world's Edgar Wright's The World's End, and Richard Stanley's Hardware. Both auteur filmmakers, both stand by their visions hardcore to the point where they get fired from jobs that they were working on. And then dress up as one of the extras in the movie that they used to be the director on and hang out on set the entire time. Yeah, Edgar time. Wright did that in Ant-Man. The more, the more this happens, the more you talk about it, the more you say it this way, it makes, it makes a lot of sense. I'm nothing if not pragmatic. Thank you so much, Jamie, for being here on this podcast with us. Really appreciate you coming down on a Friday night. And I'm going to change what I said about you, man. I'm going to say artist... Actor, auteur. Ooh, fancy. <laughs> I am nothing if not striving to be an auteur in yeah. something in life. Where I mean, can we see your stuff, man? Oh, geez. You can find my stuff on all the social medias at Art of Jamie Jones. That's pretty much the easiest way to find me. Uh, I have a big cartel site, also Art of Jamie Jones. Everything's Art of Jamie Jones. That's how you find me. What you got coming up? Currently, I'm working on the second book for The Baboon. Um, I'm like 40, 47 pages written. Wow. I have an 88-page book, I think. When are you hoping? When are you hoping? I'm hoping to be done by the end of the year. Cool. Yeah. You feel like this? what's going on is helping you at all? No. No? Really? Uh, okay. uh, entirely not. It's, wow. <laughs> it has been so hard to like actually focus and write something. I hear that. I hear that a lot. Well, great. Well, thank you again so much for being here. I'd love to have you again. This is a lot of fun. Hey, Brandon. Yeah. Check the timer, man. Oh, shit, you guys. I really was having so much fun that I totally forgot we're probably minutes away from nuclear annihilation. Uh, and I'm sorry, Jamie, for that. Uh, Rebecca, are you still planning on blowing up the world? Global meltdown scheduled in 90 seconds. Holy shit. Uh, Rebecca, prepare to receive new orders. You are false data. Uh-uh. Therefore, I shall ignore you. False data can only act as a distraction. Oh, fuck you, Rebecca. Brandon, use that sound logic of yours to talk some sense into her. Okay, uh, Rebecca. How do you know you exist? It is intuitively obvious. Well, okay, intuition isn't proof. 
What concrete evidence do you have of your own existence? I think, therefore I am. Detonation in 30 seconds. Oh my god, we're dead. Alright, well, well, Rebecca, how do you know that anything else exists? My sensory apparatus reveals it to me. Okay, so the only experience that is directly available to you is your sensory data, and this data is merely a, a, a stream of electrical impulses which stimulate your computer center. In other words, all you really know about the outside universe is relayed to you through your electrical connections. Exactly. That would mean you don't really know what the outside universe is like at all, for certain. Intriguing. I wish I had more time to discuss this matter. Wait, what? Wait, why don't you have more time? Because I must detonate the nuclear missiles in 10 seconds. Well, shit. Minoring in philosophy really, really, really was a waste of tuition. Prepare for death in 5, 4, 3. Are we dead? Not today, my friend. What did you do? Well, while you and your robot wife were rehearsing Waiting for Gadot, I remembered something crucial about Rebecca's electrical connection. Okay. And? And I unplugged her from the fucking wall. Oh, shit! Okay, great job! <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, it's gonna take a lot more than a stupid killbot to wipe out humanity. Well, that wraps up another episode of Dead City Drive-In. Once again, I'm Brandon Windish. I'm Chris Holcomb. Brandon, what are you doing? Stop pissing on the robot. I'm really sorry, but I feel like we probably need some victory music. Okay, Rebecca, play our closing theme song. Rebecca? Oh, what the hell? All right, let me plug her back in. Two. One. No, wait, wait! We'll meet again. Don't know where. Don't know when, but I know we'll meet again some sunny day. Keep smiling through, just like you always do, till the blue skies drive the dark clouds far away. Dead City Drive. Under 17, not admitted without parent.